TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar Volume 2 Rogue Cannon Book 1 Seven Cycles Later Chapter 3 In Cold Blood and Hot Glue The sickly green discharge of the engines hung in aurora-like tendrils in the wispy clouds of the pale grey sky as Jake Vector shielded his eyes against the weak sun. If the administrator of the vessel had ordered the ship into Garland Miner's upper atmosphere rather than keeping the monstrous behemoth in orbit as it was designed to do, it meant that Starcor wanted their presence known on the traditionally council-hating planet. His little encounter with that smug prick and his weirdo friend in his bar two days ago had left him uneasy, and ever since, he'd had the feeling that something was in the air of Reltek Township, and not just the usual stench of toxic chemical byproducts. As the identical days continued to roll off the great hollow copier of time, he found himself unable to shake the broiling lust for revenge that the image of that renegade space pirate had awakened in him. While he had answered honestly at the time, he genuinely didn't have a fucking clue who that guy was, Vector felt more and more familiar with that bastard's rugged face with each passing second. There was a loud and persistent urge hammering away in his brain and balls that needled at him day and night, and his increasingly violent dreams were filled with the deceased delinquent, Carl. A low, dull rumble of hatred for the man began to settle in the pit of his stomach. He couldn't in any way rationalize the growing animosity. It felt almost instinctual, like an angry salmon returning to its spawning grounds to wreak a terrible, fishy vengeance. And although he consciously fought against the urge, deep down he could feel his pre-self clawing his way back into the driving seat, and he knew that it wouldn't be long before his dark passenger took the wheel. The board was set, and soon the pieces would begin moving. It started, as all good plans do, with a hastily assembled red string board in his basement, and it would end with Dark Cruiser's still beating heart in his hands. Just as the evil hooks of involuntary vengeance threatened to dig deeper into his brain flesh, Vector was snapped out of his dark reverie by the desynchronized chanting of a small group of rabble-rousers. The illegal gathering, consisting mainly of very angry and still very sticky ex-adhesive processing plant staff, blocked the hover-skiff docking bay, preventing the offloading worker clones from delivering the huge barrels of processed adhesive to the nearby star dock. Rumors flapping around the salty watering holes had it that the council was planning a full-scale merger with Hectaf Luono, leading to the incorporation of Garland Minor into the Middle Rim Administrative Zone under the direct government of a chairman-appointed multi-planet ombudsman. 
something the fiercely and proudly independent planet could never stand for. The crowd was bigger than usual, but it was easy to identify the more seasoned protesters by the imaginative wordplay adorning their expertly crafted placards. Beautifully painted, across one sign was Chairman of the Fraud, above a masterfully crafted caricature of the incumbent chairman of the council, Helen Basenko, with the traditional devil horns sticking out of either sides of her trademark gravity-defying beehive. What do we want? Screamed a short cube of a man through a sonic amplifier. The humane removal of working clauses of the plant and the restoration of the GW negotiations on the first subsection 89 of the Garden Lawrence Charter 2003 and assurances of continued adherence to Article 4 Galactic Trading Rules. The gathered crowd answered. And the Gregs! Shut up, Hank! You've been told about that! What do we want? He restarted, and the long-winded and confusing but rigorously researched semi-chant began again. Jake recognized the man as Jim Sticky Boy Beltzar, former head of the Glue Workers Union and brother to the disgraced former Galactic Safety Council head James Tizar. The GWU was nothing but a shell of its former self since it had, ironically, lost its grip on the processing plant. He gave Jim a quick appreciative nod and a wide berth partly to avoid becoming involved in the doomed-to-fail demonstration, and partly because cycles of working in the adhesive industry had left Jim with a powerful musk that had once famously taken out an entire colony of endangered jelly turtles that had foolishly decided to nest under old Sticky Boy's caravan. Jim gave Jake a suspicious squint, followed by an equally suspicious look up and down. Beltzar was from one of the original colonist families, and didn't take kindly to outsiders, newcomers, greenhorns, strangers, big city types or people from Reltonk, the next township approximately a quarter of a kilometre along the coast. The fact that Jake had been a resident of Reltic for seven cycles and had no memory of being from or even having ever visited a big city, and the fact that he had briefly dated Jim's daughter, Solidarity, didn't make a single bit of difference to Sticky Boy's assessment of him as a dangerous off-world troublemaker. Vector turned his back on the protest and walked away towards the row of abandoned gift shops, vid arcades, various family fun activity palace centers, and saucy hollow card emporiums on his foot-powered journey towards the Star Dock, located about a hundred meters from the main concourse. Behind him, he could already hear a squadron of Hector Fluono security patrol mechs rolling towards the protesters and asking them politely, yet forcefully, to disperse. Disperse. Disperse if it is not inconvenient to you. Please, disperse. Black sand wafted dramatically across the wide asphalt expanse in the front of the vast star dock and the blinking lights of the distant control tower shone dimly through the hazy afternoon emissions. A single boxy glue hauler sat on the cracked and graying launch pad, and a knackered and flickering neon sign above the main lasgate read, Welcome to Galtron Reltic Stardock. Jake openly laughed at the desperation of the town's tourist board attempt to rebrand the one-platform facility as a major Galtron spaceport, despite Reltic being absolutely fucking miles away from the capital city. But his mirth is cut short by a sudden change in tense as a clang sounds and the mob behind him are shouting like maniacs. Jake spins to see that things are going south, fast, 
angry radicals are pelting the clones with pebbles, mutated seashells, shoes and commemorative relic salt globes speedily looted from nearby tat shops. The security mechs are closing in, herding the unemployed mass back against the high concrete sea barriers like a flock of Welco hypersheep. Vector's little tingle is back. His pre-amnesic self-training is waking up again. There is danger on the wind, and his dark passenger is cocking his pistol and cracking his knuckles. Vector sees something sharp and metallic flying through the air. Everything slows down. The object comes into view. It's a 100th-scale, die-cast replica of Reltic's once-famous Sky Tower. The pointy end of the poor-quality facsimile of the defunct attraction is hurtling dangerously towards the barrels of processed glue aboard the hover-skiff. Vector is running towards the scuffle. Fast. Faster than he knows he can move. But not fast enough. The barrels rupture, and all present save Jake, who is diving away from the blast zone, are doused in a high-pressure jet of luminous pink liquid. The protesters are thrown back against the security mechs, and the clones fly off the skiff with a look in their eyes that Jake has never seen before. They are angry. Blind, uncontrollable rage has taken them, and the semi-peaceful protest has become a riot. Jim Belsar, dripping pink, is on his feet. He is attempting to take an emergency poll of his members to determine interest in a future vote on a violent response to the emergency situation, but is shoved to the ground by Hank, who is in turn smacked in the back of the head by Chris, who is in turn kicked square in the temple by Leslie. Scuffles erupt on the skiff and spill out onto the dock. Sticky Boy is back with a vengeance, wielding a copy of the minutes from the most recent GWU AGM. The thick leather-bound tome sends a few clones flying, but he is quickly overrun and battered over the head with placards of his own design. Containment breach. One of the mechs announces. Repeat. Containment breach. Contact Brazil base immediately. Jake turns to escape, wanting no part in the unprecedented rebellion, but he is caught on the shoulder by a rough-skinned hand and yanked down to the sticky floor. He looks up. It's Tony. Vector tries to talk, to reason, but his words are extinguished by the winding boot of the clone pressing down like a vice on his chest. A switch is flipped. Jake's awareness is dimmed. He grabs the foot and twists. He's calm. He's calculating. He's assessing risks and formulating countermeasures with supercomputer accuracy and speed. Like the sound of a thudding bass through the wall of a tech disco, he hears the snap of the ankle, and then the neck. Distant cries of pain echo somewhere deep in the abyss of his psyche. He is nothing now but a horrified audience member at a hyper-violent shadow puppet show. There is musicality to his movements, a deadly rhythm executed with effortless muscle memory as he works through the crowd. His arms are lazcutters. His legs are atom smashers. His head is the prow of a battlecruiser. The bodies around him are falling, flying, dying. He's aware he's wet. Whether with sweat, blood, sweat, or the pink liquid jettisoned from the barrel, he does not know. He knows only that all identified threats have been eliminated. 
The knowledge brings him no satisfaction. It is a cold fact. It is the expected outcome. Some sense of self returns to Jake Vector. The chaos around him subsides and the world slipped back into the comforting familiarity of the past tense. He was gasping and shaking, not from exhaustion, his pulse had barely quickened during his balletic massacre, but from some internal defeat, from the unexplainable, involuntary submission that had laid waste to human and clone alike. He'd often heard the call to violence before, but much like the calls from his psychiatrist, accountant, landlord, tax inspector and furious ex-wife, he'd ignored them in the hope that the problem would just sort itself out. Until now, until... Dark Cruiser, and he knew that his previous self would make that man pay. This election season, take home the splendor, magic, and rigidly enforced class structures of Pondington Mill. Revisit the rolling swamps, sprawling fruit markets, and elaborate water features, and relive iconic moments in the original Carlaxian for the very first time. Available now in a prestige format sense around 17 hollow vid cube set featuring all four episodes of the legendary series. So join Lady Bloodwater, Duke Slashclaw, and Ricky for the unforgettable saga of Pondington Mill. Cyberball is back! On this quadrant, the action is tougher. Expression of disbelief! Wetter, hyperbolic comment! And explodier than ever! Overly dramatic! of what has just occurred. Can the newly souped-up Argyle Prime Cannery match the speed and intensity of Reltic Tire and Battery? Unit 1296B, they're going in for the triple loop flange around the back, and it's great to see him back in the pool since the servo replacement operation. Weaves around the gravity pitch, and he's done it! He's done it! Absolutely transcendental! If he could express emotions, I'm sure that he would be delighted with that. Will the Fergal Repossessors beat the Brazilizarkskins? Sound high, the trumpets of the gods. Send forth for the heavenly messengers of the cosmos. Let the galaxy know that this was the moment. 0.5 points here on the board at the Cybozone. Catch all the galaxy-shattering action exclusively this quadrant on all vidchans. I got a cream from the med bot, so that should be clearing up in a few weeks. Unbelievable! Unit 47 6 
Survivable 36. Brought to you in partnership with Hector Luano Investment Opportunities, Inc. Vector suddenly became aware of the security mechs assembled in a horseshoe formation around him. The fracas had spewed out of control so quickly, the bulking, tank-tracked enforcers were only just cycling up ground control measures. Within seconds, they'd begin spraying the immediate vicinity with high-pressure spicy source cannons, peppering it with ultra-dense beanbag grenades and shouting piss off to anyone within earshot from their face-mounted hyper-def 3D speaker array. As he was legging it away back towards the star dock, Vector tried to replay the incident in his mind. It was common enough for Beltzar and his gaggle of left-wing nutjobs to harass the clones, and while the rate of wedgies, neo-Chinese burns and wet willies had dramatically increased over the last six months, the plant employees had never shown any sign of breaking their genetic conditioning towards non-retaliation. Something had tipped them over the edge and it was unlikely that the protesters' savage sign-based put-downs would have been enough to make them turn on the humans. Something inside them had snapped, and Jake knew just how they felt. He too had fallen victim to some unknowable programming, some part of his brain beyond his control. The weak flickering neon that reflected in the shiny surface of his blood-soaked shoes told him that he'd arrived at the Stardock. Behind a missing pane of long-since-smashed glass sat a uniformed admin clone, a slightly smarter, more organized and nerdier genetic variant on the standard worker specimen. Hello, welcome to Galtron Reltic Stardock. How may I assist you today? Star Station Frank, next available ship. A moment, please. I'm sorry, there are currently no ships permitted to leave Reltic. Oh yeah? Says who? Orders from HLHQ, sir. Holy hell's news travels fast. I knew there'd be trouble when they installed that HappenNet 5.0 transmitter. His thought was cut short by the whine of a standard issue Reltic Community Safety Enforcement Officer face blaster. Jake knew, or rather the other him did, that the pitch of the charging tone indicated that the weapon was on the stun setting. He felt the presence of four deputies behind him. I'd get those hands up if I were you, son, said the nasal voice of the highest-ranking volunteer in the group, a dull grey drawing of an average man by the name of Deputy Malarkey. You're coming with me to the community centre for processing. Malarkey was known around the township for being among the stupidest of the admittedly incredibly stupid pool of volunteers, and as far as Vector was concerned, the guy was an absolute salad bag. Process this thought Jake loudly before he had an actual plan. He hoped that the cool one-liner would be enough to activate his combat-proficient pre-self, but the total badass that he had once been was nowhere to be found. His dark passenger had leapt from the speeding hovcar of his mind and stylishly tucked and rolled away somewhere deep into his psyche. With the option of a second thrilling and character development-filled fight scene off the table, he raised his hands. The deputy lowered his voice to a conspiratorial whisper as he got near. Look, can't say as I blame you for going to town on those fat jobs. About time someone round here put them in their place. He said like a racist because he was one. How about I say you resisted citizens arrest and you finish off a couple more for the lads? I get you. Say, you boys ever seen one of these green fellers dance? 
<laughs> what? The deputies snorted and snarled derisively. <laughs> Can I even do that? <laughs> said a lanky streak of piss excitedly. How about you hand me your face blaster there and uh, we'll get this nerd to do a little jig for us. <laughs> oh shit, boys. <laughs> Looks like we've got ourselves a good old-fashioned vat job cabaret. Vector took the pistol, twisted the barrel into kill mode, and systematically blasted the deputies, starting with a point-blank organ ripper right through Malaki's chest, and ending five seconds later with an exceptional shot to the back of the skull of the tall one who tried to run. He spun on his heel and leveled the gun at the booth-bound clone. Gonna need you to open up that gate there, buddy. I'm afraid I'm not at liberty to do that, sir. You know, friend... I thought I knew what kind of man I was. I thought maybe I knew what kind of man I had once been. But maybe, just maybe, I ain't a man at all. He wanted to blame the murder on his dark passenger, but he knew it had been his decision. Their decision. He felt the new and old Jake's beginning to awkwardly snap together like the two halves of a deadly heart-shaped friendship locket. Vector calmly reached inside the booth and snatched the pointy ident chip from the being's smoking body and waved it past the reader beside the gate. He was in. Hijacking a glue hauler wasn't exactly how he'd planned on starting his flimsy quest for revengeance, but circumstances had changed and he needed to get the hells off Garland Minor faster than a finely crafted witty simile. He sat down in the cramped cockpit, and his bloodied hands hovered over the command board. Those hands had done nothing but pull pints and mop up spilled drinks for as long as he could remember, yet they moved across the controls of the vessel with the practiced flair of an experienced star pilot. As he reached orbit, alarms began sounding and lights began flashing. A warning flickered across the corroded monitor in front of him, explaining that the short-range hauler, designed for ferrying glue shipments from the planet's surface to large orbital tankers, had deviated from its established flight path and that auto-return override had been activated. As he was calculating his next move, he began to feel his blood-soaked skin tingle as the cramped cabin began to smell of hot eggs. The next thing Jake Vector was aware of was the deep hum of engines and a dark figure standing across from him. The figure stepped forward into the harsh pool of light that spilled onto the deck between them. Vector stared into the figure's eyes. You... The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of Jake Vector, Jim Beltzar, and Deputy Malaki was T.L. Dawnstar. Get in touch via electronic mail using the email address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at TL underscore Dawnstar. Rate, review, and tell your friends and enemies.
next chapter and rescue.